As we mentioned, 12 persons in the Bible are given the distinction of being wise. And so in our quest to apply the wisdom of the Proverbs that we've looked at over the past year or so, um, these persons will give us some practical ways that we can look to him as, as, a, as role, role models and how we can apply the wisdom and we see the kind of wisdom they, they, look, they, they, they apply to their lives. The first person is Joseph. Remember him? Joseph was called a wise leader. Uh, his story is recorded in, in uh, a number of chapters in Genesis. We're not going to read it for the sake of time. Uh, Genesis uh, chapter 30 all the way to chapter 50 records the story and the life of Joseph. One passage we want to look at today, I'm going to ask somebody to read it, is Acts chapter 7. Uh, someone can read verses 9 and 10 of Acts chapter 7, please. And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him, and delivered him out of all his troubles, and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Okay, now notice, uh, God was with him. He found himself in trouble, in deep trouble, but God was with him. He was assured of God's presence. He knew of God's presence. He depended on God's presence. He trusted God, in a nutshell. And uh, God rescued him, the passage says, from some of his troubles, and he had to deal with rest. That what it say? All of his troubles. But sometimes we, 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 we behave as if God only rescues us from some, and uh, he's an equal opportunist, and so he says, I, I delivered you out of this portion, now it's up to you to get yourself out of the rest of the mess. That's the way we see God sometimes. Okay, but David's case, and Joseph's case, God, the Bible says, God rescued him from all of his troubles. Why did God do that? Because he trusted God. He depended on God. He put his faith in God, his confidence in God. And notice the verse goes on to say, And God gave him favor before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Not only did God give him favor in Pharaoh's sight, but what else did God give him? According to the verse. Promotion. Promotion. What else? Wisdom. Wisdom. That's right. Not only that, not just wisdom, but unusual wisdom. God bestowed, also gave him unusual wisdom to the extent that it was seen by a secular ruler. The secular ruler recognized that the wisdom that this man had was unusual. And as a result, he appointed him. Joseph is called wise because he helped rule Egypt by preparing the country for a major famine. That was the practical demonstration of his wisdom. In other words, he didn't just have wisdom, but he used it in a practical way. And that's what we are to be doing with the wisdom that we have learned from the Proverbs. It's, not, it's good to know it. It's good to be able to quote it. Sounds good to quote it. But how are you applying it to your life when you get yourself in a difficult situation? Joseph found himself in a difficult situation. 
but he was able to apply the wisdom that God gave him, and as a result of it, he got promoted. Now, how many of you are on a job right now, and you're looking for a promotion? You want a promotion. You really could use a promotion. Everybody that you know, you're probably smarter than them, you're better than them, but they're getting promoted head and shoulders over you. And you can't, you can't move. Well, this is a good opportunity. What do you know? How can you apply the wisdom of the Word of God to your life? Now, Joseph was not in a Christian environment. He was in a secular environment. Your job is probably a secular environment. But it doesn't mean that the wisdom of God's Word will not enable you to advance or to move forward. It happened with Joseph. Why couldn't it happen with us? Joseph ex exhibited the practical wisdom that God had given him. In other words, God gave him this wisdom. He didn't learn this in no university or no college, nowhere. The Bible tells us that God gave him this wisdom, and he applied this wisdom in a practical way. A, a secular leader saw it. It was good. And he appointed him governor of all Egypt. Now imagine that. This man was a, was a as far as the, the leaders of, of Egypt was concerned, these people didn't mean anything. Okay? They were, not, they were nothing more than slaves and servants. But because he exercised this kind of wisdom, he was promoted. Now, Joseph had a, a difficult life coming up. He was full of himself. Or he was arrogant as a boy. Remember the story. Uh, he was his father's favorite son. And uh, because he was his favorite, his brothers really gave him a hard time. But he knew God's plan for his life. At an early age, he knew what God wanted to do with his life. And, uh, but he enhanced his natural self-assurance uh, in his childhood days. And he became an irritant. To his brothers, his, his ten older brothers, resulting ultimately in their conspiracy against him. Okay, they wanted to get rid of this boy. He's just nothing but a nuisance. Okay, but shaped by pain, combined with personal knowledge of God, his self-insurance assurance enabled him to survive and thrive where he would normally have failed. <coughs> Okay, so he used his wisdom. Notice, by adding calm wisdom to his confidence, he was able to win the hearts of everybody that he met. Everyone that he came in contact with, he was able to win their hearts because he added calm wisdom to confidence. Now, you could have all the confidence in the world, but if it does not, if it's not, uh, if you don't add calm wisdom to it, then you're not. You're going to be viewed as nothing more than an arrogant pighead, which is not many people are described today, which is how Joseph's brother saw him in his younger days. But as he grew older, he learned to apply calm wisdom uh, to his confidence. And as a result of that, rather than being a irritant to people that he came in contact with, rather than people looking at him as a arrogant, snotty-nosed kid, they were drawn to him. They were, he captured their hearts. They said, this fellow is, this fellow is smart. He knows how to conduct himself. And so he was able to win the hearts of everybody that he met, including Potiphar. Remember him? He won the hearts of Potiphar. Potiphar 
took him in and put him in charge of everything except his wife. But his wife said, you know, she figured she was included. And uh, she tried to, you know, pull, pull one over on Joseph. And Joseph said, no, 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 uh-uh. This man gave me charge of his whole house, everything that he owns except you. You're off limits. You're out of bounds. Of course, she was acting out of bounds, too. But um, he came and he, he, he won the hearts of everybody they met, including Potiphar, including the prison warden, other prisoners, Pharaoh, and eventually he won the hearts of his ten brothers who gave him such a miserable time when he was younger. And so maybe some of us today can identify with one or more of the hardships that Joseph experienced during the time he was growing up. First of all, he was let down and abandoned by his family, namely his ten brothers. They let him down, they abandoned him. In fact, the story tells us that they sold him uh, to some merchants on the way. Uh, just to get rid of him. You know, some of them, a couple of them wanted to kill him. And they said, no, 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 that's our flesh and blood. Let's just sell him and get rid of him. Okay, so he was let down by his, he was let down and abandoned by his family. That's number one. Secondly, he was tempted sexually by Potiphar's wife. She wanted to go to bed with him. She wanted to have sex with him. And he was tempted. And because the, only the two of them there, you know, they could have got, get, gotten engaged and nobody else would have known. You know, some people take that, that excuse today, but who's going to know? Well, he said, no. I cannot do this terrible thing against, not Potiphar, his words were against God. Because that was the person that he was serving. So, first of all, he was let down by his family, uh, and then he secondly, he was, he was tempted sexually. And then he was punished for doing what was right. Okay, he did the right thing, and he still got punished. Didn't do anything wrong, did what was right, and he still got punished. And then, if that wasn't bad enough to add insult to injury, he got a lengthy prison sentence that he didn't deserve, because he was an innocent man. Okay? And this is a servant of God. He was forgotten by persons that helped, that he helped. Remember those three fellows in, in, in prison? He helped them all out. And he says, now listen, when you guys get out, remember me here. Put in a good word for me. He said, I can get out too. And the fellas got out and they went about their business. They forgot about Joseph. Okay? And so as we read Joseph's story, it's hard not to see the consistency of what he did in every case. By responding positively, he transformed each setback or stumbling block into a step forward or a stepping stone. He never refused to waste time. He refused to waste time asking why. You know, whenever we get in a problem, the first question we ask is, why me, Lord? Why this going to happen to me? You know, I know that fellow down the road living like the devil, and, and he got, you know, I don't know what's going wrong with him. And I'm trying to live a faithful, honest, pure, and holy life for you, and I'm having all these problems. Why me, Lord? Joseph could have said that, because that was the story of his life. He could have said that. But he never, for him to say, question God, why this going, it was a waste of time. So he never wasted time asking why. He always had a what-shall-I-do-now approach. Now that whenever he encountered a situation, instead of asking God why, he said to the Lord, Okay, Lord, here I am. You're a sovereign God. 
Everything that happens to me is father filtered. You filter it. So it has to go through you. It has to get to you before it get to me. Remember sometimes people uh, who know us and like us well and, and, uh, and, uh, and you are threatened and they will say to the person who threatened you to get to him, you got to go through me. Well, God said to Joseph, Joseph felt the same way. Uh, Lord, whatever I'm going through, it has to get to you for you've got to approve this. You've got to allow this to get to me. And so I'm not going to ask you why when bad things happen to me. I'm going to ask you, Lord, okay, what am I supposed to do now? Obviously, you brought me to this point in my life. And because you brought me here, I am constantly aware of acknowledging your sovereignty. You in control, I'm where I'm at, you brought me up. What shall I do now? That was always his approach. And that ought to be our approach. Instead of asking why. Or why couldn't it be somebody else? And so it was obvious to everyone who met Joseph that God was with him. Wherever he went and whatever he did, he exhibited a persona that I'm God's child, God's with me, everything's cool. Because God's with me. And so the best approach... You can have when faced with setback is how Joseph's like attitude, to have a Joseph-like attitude. Not why me, but what do I do now? A Joseph-like attitude by acknowledging that God is with you. Never giving the impression that God is somewhere busy with some other circumstance that he doesn't have time to deal with my little puny insignificant situation right now. Joseph believed that God was with him at all times and that's the Joseph-like attitude that we are to acknowledge when we think about who God is. There's absolutely nothing that can shed new light on a dark situation like God's presence. Nothing. But we also see in Joseph's life that he had some failings and faults. As we often say, nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. He had some failings and faults. And his failings and faults were primarily in his boyhood days. His brothers were hostile toward him because of his boyhood pride. No fault of his own, God gave him those dreams. The dreams that he had, God gave it to them. God gave him those dreams and uh, he just expressed the dreams that he had. Now other people had problems with that, his brothers had problems with God, but even though his father's favorite son, his father started to, you know, boy, boy, you, you know, you, you get inside yourself. You know, you mean to tell me, I'm going to, your daddy, I'm going to bow down to you too? Remember that? His, his father kind of turned against him, even though his favorite son. So that's what is, is considered his failings and faults. But, he also had some strengths and some successes. He excelled in Egypt from slave to ruler. We call it rags to riches story. Okay, excelled from Egypt in Egypt, foreign land, a land where many of his people were under oppression. But he excelled from slave to ruler because of the wisdom of God. You say, oh, wisdom can take you? That's a classic story of where wisdom can take you. He had a reputation for personal integrity. Okay, we see that in the situation with Potiphar's wife. Okay, he had his integrity to protect. 
and he was not going to violate that or ruin that in any way. So he was successful in, in, in his, his, uh, keeping his integrity intact. He was also a man of spiritual compassion. And we see that uh, when, we, when he encountered his brothers, when they came looking for food. And, uh, and also in how he provided for those who were going through the famine. That came from his personal compassion. And um, we also see that he prepared a nation to survive a famine. And that was a success. Again, that's one area where he used his wisdom in a practical way to help an entire nation survive a famine. We can have some situations in our lives too where we can apply wisdom that can benefit others who are going through difficulties and challenges in their lives as well. So what does his life teach us then? His life teaches us that when it comes to circumstances of life, what matters most is our response to those circumstances. How do we respond to the circumstances in life when we encounter them? Regardless of how much evil is intended by others, any situation can be used for good with God's help. And we see that in Joseph's life. His brothers intended for evil, and he reminded them of that when they came. And he finally revealed himself to them. And they found out who he was. Oh Lord, he can get back at us. Vengeance time. He can get back at us. He can get even for what we did to him. But what was his response to them when they feared for their lives? What did he say? What were his words? Anybody? What, God, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Right, so can we respond like that when we are challenged and by others? Can we have that kind of response? When someone treats us bad or ruins our reputation or take advantage of us, can we look at them square in the eyes and say, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Right. Right. The more time that you spend in the world, the more these things you take. Exactly. If you have a God-like attitude, a Joseph-like attitude, you can respond that way. That was Joseph's attitude. In Hebrews chapter two, uh, someone read Hebrews eleven twenty-two. Hebrews eleven twenty-two. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Okay, so Joseph is included in what we call the Hall of Fame of Faith, Hebrews 11, which is another good reason to look to him as a role model, not just as a wisdom, but a role model of a person who demonstrates faith. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. God would deliver them. One day, not in his lifetime, but he will deliver them. And he even commanded them to take his bones with them. That's how confident he was that they were going to get out. He says, whenever you get out, God is going to take you out. And when you do, don't leave my bones behind. Carry them with you. Well, really, mm -hmm. what significance does that mean with the bones? 
Well, it was a foreign land. It was an alien land. Okay. Well, for the patriarchs it did. For the patriarchs it did. I'm not. I'm not knocking it. I just. I just wonder what significance it had because. It's mentioned in several places in the Bible about bones. Yeah, yeah. The patriarchs always uh, had a, you know, they, they, they believed that God had given them a particular land that was their own. And if they were to ever leave the, the, this, this life, that land that God gave them is where their bones would rest. Because I read somewhere where Moses' bones were in the Ark of the Covenant or in. in and one, one of the things that they, that they used to go into the tabernacle, wasn't Moses' bones in there? I think I heard something about that. I don't remember. Right. To bury his wife. He Yeah. And they wanted to give him the land. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm going to pay you for it. Right, right. Yeah, it has some significance. It's probably something that we can look into to see the significance of it. But it does have some significance in Scripture. We see it uh, throughout the Scriptures. But concerning Moses, his bones couldn't be found. Nobody knows where it was. Nobody knows where it was because God buried him. Okay. And of course, you're gonna have some people going to go looking for their bones. Okay. And see, that's another significance. God buried him. And nobody knew where. Okay, so the burial of the patriarchs is a significant thing from God's point of view. Okay, so that's Joseph. Uh, the other person that we're going to look at is Moses. Remember him? He was also considered a wise leader. And his story spans the scriptures from Exodus to Deuteronomy. But he's also mentioned in Acts and Hebrews. So if we can have someone read Acts chapter 7 verses 20 to 22 please Acts 7 20 to 22 in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months and when he was cast out Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son and Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds Okay, so again, what do we see that is significant that Joseph had, that Moses had? Wisdom. Wisdom. Okay, it says in verse 22, he was taught in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he was powerful, he was a good orator. He was not only a good orator, but he put, you could say he put his money where his mouth is. Okay, so after learning all the wisdom of the Egyptians, in other words, he went through all of the schooling of wisdom that he could get from the Egyptians. He went through the Egyptian educational system and learned all the wisdom that he could get. And then he graduated to lessons in God's wisdom. That was a graduation. Alright? When you get the worldly wisdom, that's not the limit. Okay, unless you get godly wisdom, you ain't going nowhere. Okay, you can have all the man wisdom in the world. That's not going to, that can only take you so far. Godly wisdom is what you need. And we've seen that as we went through the Proverbs over and over again. It tells us what we can accomplish and how we can, we can excel with the wisdom of God. So he graduated to lessons in godly wisdom to the extent that he was able to uh, lead the Israelites 
out of Egyptian bondage. Now, without God's wisdom, he would not have been able to accomplish that. He was not, he would not have been able to do that. God gave, gave him the wisdom and the ability to apply that wisdom. See, wisdom means nothing unless you don't have the ability to apply it. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived, but you know what the key was in Solomon's life? He not only had wisdom, but he had the unique ability to apply that wisdom. Remember the encounter with the two women and the baby? Who would have even thought about what he came up with? Okay, who would have even thought about that? He says, okay, you cut the baby in half and you take half and you take the other half. And because he knew from, from his wisdom and how that wisdom would be applied, the real mother would not want her baby to be destroyed. And so he knew that somebody was going to give. That's wisdom applied. Wisdom means nothing unless we have the ability to apply. And that's what made Solomon so great. This is nobody before him or after him who has had that kind of wisdom. Okay, so he was able to graduate from human wisdom to godly wisdom. And that was the key to his success in leading the Israelites out of bondage. We also see something about him in Hebrews chapter 11. Again, that passage that is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. So let's have someone read... Uh, Hebrews chapter 23 to 29. Hebrews chapter 23, 11, 23 to 29. Chapter 11 was 23 to 29. By faith in Moses when he was born, he did three months of his period. Because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Go ahead. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. Okay, so we see um, everything that Moses did, he was moved by faith. Unfortunately, our time is gone, so we can stop. We're going to continue talking about Moses when we come back next Lord's Day, but uh, that passage gives us a whole lot to think about in terms of who Moses was and what he did and how he followed God and how wisdom had an integral part in what he did. Amen?